We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fires downfield to Jamar Chase. He's got it. Wow. Takes it all the way. DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor. Touchdown. Pass is caught. Diggs. Touchdown. The Week 7 NFL recap show for Road of His Overtime is up and running sean we are ready to go here it was a strange week it was uh, an interesting week it feels like we've said that for each and every one of these recaps this week though the injury bug really did kick into to full force a lot of star players injured really disappointing from that aspect some of the players we'll talk about throughout the games we recap today news is still filtering out there'll be more tests to undergo over the next couple of days but yeah some really disappointing ones and i guess we have to headline that with Brees hall who Starts off this game, has a huge touchdown run, continued at that point to look absolutely fantastic, and then obviously picks up the the injury, ruled out pretty quickly for the game, which I've mentioned on the show a number of times. It's always the biggest part of the concern is when it's you know not a case where they're given a bit of time to see how it feels, but this one, knee injury, talk that it, it is going to be potentially a season ender. The other one then, DK Metcalf, may not be as severe. He goes down after a target in the end zone. He misses the rest of the game mike williams with a he says it's an ankle sprain it, it looked quite bad at the time with the replays um with his injury and then we have evan needle first round draft pick of the giants this year he goes down offensive lineman many many others that will sprinkle in throughout today's show that also got injured so that is the real tough takeaway i guess from nfl week seven we're always going to have injuries but this week felt particularly um high in terms of the injury front but sean we did have some other fantastic games to talk about as well we're going to talk about those we're going to start that in a minute but as we start off our week seven recap show how are you feeling as we we are most of the way through nfl week seven just uh, monday night football to go yeah i'm fantastic and terrible and and all of those things <laughs> that i think everybody is kind of at this juncture you mentioned the week seven a little bit odd but it's really not it's just 2022 where you have all of these crazy games and crazy results crazy teams (laughs) there's another week where in the short term with fantasy it's always better to be lucky than good and that's true in the very very short term with a lot of things in life as we go through and try and score a lot of points on so many teams there are always those handful of teams where you're not targeting 2022 targeting 2023 2024 I have this dynasty team that finished last last year. It has 21 Debbie players on it. 
the goal really is to finish last again this year, even though with this particular format, finishing last isn't quite as valuable as it is in some other formats. That team today column scored 205 points. <laughs> 205. And, and literally zero bench points. Right, this is a super flex league where I don't have a second quarterback. The score is 205. Zero on the bench. And that's not the you know literally slash figuratively. It's literally or literally. Zero points on the bench, scores 205. Needless to say, that team is not going to put up the losses that we were hoping for this week. There are some teams that scored well in a way that is very, very positive. Michael Hitchcock and I have an FFPC FPC team, and Michael Hitchcock does some wonderful work for the site. Anybody who wants to check him out at Rotoviz, we scored 218 today, Colin. So that's, uh, that's a pretty good score in any season. Good Definitely a good score in 2022. That team has a number of the zero RB candidates on it. And this was another huge weekend for the zero RB candidates countdown. That part was really fun, but I just, it's a much more serious thing, obviously, for the actual people. It's a much more serious thing for Brees Hall. He seems like just a, a great human being on top of being a really cool football player. He tweeted out some positive the sort of thoughts and emotion tonight, but it's very difficult to have him go down. He was one of the players we were most excited about. Recently covering the updated running back rankings, he had jumped Jonathan Taylor and gone to number one overall. I think that, I mean, in terms of how good he has been in 2022, he's been fantastic from a fantasy perspective, vastly outperforming his draft slot. He's been very, very good for a rookie who didn't even get the start in week one, but that doesn't really tell the story at all. I mean, I think you can make a strong argument that Brees Hall has been the best reality running back of this season when he went down in the game today. Now there are going to be some guys like Saquon Barkley would be in that category. I think that Hall has been better. Nick Chubb would be in that category. Maybe you could argue that he has been the best guy because Nick Chubb is doing Chubb things and has carried the Cleveland Browns just literally on his back. You know, that time to literally is figuratively. And you get to this point where, I mean, has Brees Hall been better than Nick Chubb? Probably not, but that run again today illustrated everything he does well with the vision and then the long speed and the long speed continues to jump out right now or previous to this injury. It looked like he was going to be a big part of the receiving game too. And when you consider that Zach Wilson is maybe the worst starting quarterback in the NFL, I, this is a game today where they flashed the stats up on the screen several times about matchups between Zach Wilson and Brett Rippon in college. And you really got the impression that the Jets had the lesser of the two quarterbacks in this particular game. They do manage to win, but I mean, it's a travesty right now in New York. I mean, this is a team that's five and two and may have the worst quarterback in the NFL. They need these playmakers. They had all the weird drama this week with Elijah Moore. That development, they're very frustrating and it very easily could have cost them this game because they have a playmaker they decided not to use. Now, there's plenty of blame to go around. Elijah Moore has to bear his part of the responsibility, but I mean, you're not anticipating having this game melt down quickly to where Corey Davis is out, Brees Hall is out, and 
suddenly you've got guys who shouldn't be out there. And we like Denzel Mims, but Denzel Mims kind of <laughs> reminding people why the Jets have more or less stashed him and not let him play with, with some of the things that happened in this game here. The Jets Broncos is hopefully a game that too many people who don't write about and talk about fantasy football for a living spared themselves up because <laughs> this was a brutal example of 2022 NFL football. Colin, you and I had plenty of Hall shares. Hall, Eno Benjamin, and Raheem Mostert were my highest running back exposures and underdog. Just continue to draft him from the beginning to the end when he's sitting there in the mid-fourth and sometimes even in the early fifth round, and you're thinking, I mean, this is going to be a situation where drafters come around and realize the value that you're getting in this superstar back. He's going to rise up into the second round. Now, maybe not the top of the second round, maybe not the one-two turn like we've seen from some of the real stars of the past, guys like Najee Harris were expected to have a huge workload, someone like a Saquon Barkley or Ezekiel Elliott, where those guys went in the first round even. But to have him rise up to the 2-3 turn would have made a lot of sense. That never happened. And so, I mean, you're trying to balance your exposures to an extent, but you can't afford to give up that kind of value. But then again, I'm in this situation today, is one of the reasons why there is some risk in that. And so for Hall to be the guy who was hitting so big and to go down, and it's in a season where maybe even if you're not, I mean, if you're not on him, then you, you've got bailed out by this injury. But I don't think there are too many people. I mean, almost no one is actively rooting for these players to get injured. You're hoping to be bailed out in a different sort of way. But even then, I mean, unless you had 0% exposure, I mean, this is frustrating from a fantasy perspective, I think, for everybody, because Brees Hall was one of the guys who was actually giving us points outside the first two rounds. He was I mean, the best story, or at least one of the top five stories for this year. And I mean, anybody who hasn't had a chance to listen to the shows that Ben and I did last week for Stealing Bananas on some of the developments and the context, the fantasy environment for 2022, mostly the bad parts of it, but you know, some good things, some silver linings, and definitely some things that you can do to try and take advantage of how 22 is playing out. But for Hall to be, I mean, really the best part of this season for him to go down here. I mean, number one, it's a human story, but number two, for this game that we all love so much, it's just a huge bummer because he was providing enjoyment and excitement for all of us. And unless we get a surprise, which I mean, maybe we will every once in a while, things turn out not to be as bad as expected, but unless we get, you know, almost a miracle here, it does sound like he's done. Yeah. And it is a case. Sometimes we do get that news where it isn't as bad as force feared, but with the knee in particular, diagnosis particularly you know early diagnosis on the sidelines when they do their tests is usually pretty accurate in these situations so we'll see what happens over the the next few days and maybe by the time you're listening to this there might even be more information but we're getting this to you as soon as we can after the sunday night football game each and every week sean another game that was i won't say decimated by injuries but two star players getting hurt in it the seahawks and the chargers it also pairs in with the rookie running backs because we have Brees hall looking fantastic we had Rashad Penny, unfortunately, who was looking fantastic, got injured. Kenneth Walker steps in over the last couple of weeks and has looked tremendous. He has 23 rush attempts in this game for 168 yards and two touchdowns. One of those touchdowns is a 74-yard touchdown rush, which he looks electric on. So he has continued to look fantastic, stepping up in 
the the place of Rashad Penny and he feels like he could be one of those surging running backs down the stretch particularly to help push your team to fantasy success the other running back in this game was Austin Eckler he has nine rush attempts for 31 yards and a touchdown so nothing major there Sean just the 12 targets this week for Austin Eckler just the 12 receptions just the 96 yards and just the one touchdown so he has continued to combine rushing and receiving over the last kind of three weeks and put up huge numbers very big part obviously the passing game here the team and the chargers behind for most of this working their way to try and get back into it mike evans has nine targets seven receptions 86 yards one touchdown does pick up that injury later in the game which i was very concerned about he doesn't seem as concerned about they have a week eight bye but we'll see what the reports are on that i think it's going to be a at minimum a multi-week injury with a, a high ankle sprain but it could be more severe Gerald Everett, nine targets, 63 yards, five receptions. Keenan Allen does play in this one, but is on a snap count, just two receptions on two targets for him. DK Metcalf on the other side, he has just the two targets, gets injured on that end zone target that I mentioned at the start of the show. Again, he doesn't seem to think it's that concerning, but it, well, we'll see what happens. He was ruled out very quickly after being carried to the locker room. Then Tyler Lockett continues to do what he has done. He has seven receptions with just 45 yards, and Marquise Goodwin, I guess, is the story on the, the receiving side here for the Seattle Seahawks. 67 yards on five targets, four receptions, two touchdowns for Marquise Goodwin. Marquise Goodwin, Sean, at one point was one of my guys. And uh, it, this this was where it actually came into play, uh, maybe four years after that point. So uh, Goodwin, who I thought was was done at this point, uh, has a big day when he steps in when, when DK Metcalf is out lots of interesting fantasy notes in this the two injuries obviously to mention the two running backs so sean i think have to be the the big talking point here they they just look fantastic so you're saying you didn't have marquise goodwin in i don't think i've had have zero zero percentage marquise goodwin okay. in basketball anyway but uh definitely not he wasn't in the he wasn't in those dfs lineups today sean and we'll talk about another player who didn't make it in who was in a few original lineups that i passed up on but that'll be the next game we talk about uh listeners can guess who that might be but yeah didn't have much marquis good one today and when you consider that lockett only goes for 45 yards and you know that metcalf went out and it was unfortunate too because he probably catches a touchdown on that pass if he doesn't tweak the knee it when you suffer an injury even if it's hopefully not one of terrible magnitude then it, it can be hard to finish that particular play he went up made a, a great original play on the ball gets his feet down but does not hang on we also had one of three targets to noah fant was a beautifully thrown ball that fant gets both hands on and the defensive backs managed to knock away kind of at the goal line that would have saved his day he only catches one pass for seven yards knowing all that you would kind of expect that the seahawks got hammered and that gino does not finish with a good fantasy day it wasn't a huge game for him but he again throws for 210 yards and two touchdowns looks fantastic some of the plays that weren't made here were definitely not on him he made unbelievable throws and his guys did not come down with the plays but as you mentioned this really is a tale of the two running backs. You don't have too many games where a back carries 23 times and still manages to put up an average of over seven yards per carry. But to do that, you do need to have that 70-yard touchdown run. This is his second big run of the season, and he looks like he'll be a flat-out star. I moved him in last week's Dynasty update also into that range that really is just behind 
Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey. He looks that good. It does look like it's going to be a good fit. The concerns about the Seattle offense limiting to the backs have mostly been removed. I mean, Gino's probably going to go through a little bit of a downturn at some point, but right now the decision-making, the accuracy that he is showing off, uh, you, you just can't be that worried. There are so many other teams that have much more significant problems. And even though DJ Dallas, potentially at some point, Travis Homer taking a few of the routes in the passing game, it's not enough to ding his upside at all there. It's really cool to watch him run. The thing that you've noticed with both Brees Hall and with Kenneth Walker is the patience. There are a lot of plays actually in this game where you're almost thinking, I mean, is he going to start running forward at some point? Because he'll take the handoff, pause back there, kind of make his way through that initial sort of road furniture at the line of scrimmage. And then when he finds the hole, he's just gone. One of the things that I really like about the top of the dynasty rankings right now is that you have elite athlete after elite athlete after elite athlete. That makes for a fun group of guys to be trying to acquire, to be rooting for if they're on your teams. We talked about the decline and maybe collapse of the Uber back early on in the season, but we've had some guys really rise. You talk about the 12 receptions for Austin Eckler. That's exactly what you're looking for, for that Uber back type of player. Our point here on overtime column, on the one that we have been sort of pushing for a long time, is that broken tackles are overrated. Now, overrated does not mean meaningless. If you've got a guy who can go out there and break some tackles, he's likely to be able to maintain a lot of that. He's likely to be able to maintain his workload. Those things stick in the coach's minds. There is some predictive value to it. But when you're looking for guys who are going to be fantasy game breakers for you, you want that long speed to go with some of these other elements like the vision, like the patience that some of these young backs are demonstrating. So cool to see them. And you're not going to have a 70-yard run every week, but when you combine that type of skill-based element to your running back play with that type of physical ability, they're going to be some big plays in the future. And then you watch Austin Eckler. There's no question that he brings all of those things to the table. He's small, but he's thick. And despite being thick, the athleticism that he has, and this has been one of the things back to where, uh, you know, when he was the, the backup and really just the space back to Melvin Gordon and was always on the zero RB candidates countdown was that the athleticism isn't just good. It is unbelievable. And just, because he played at a smaller school, because he wasn't a high draft pick, it's easy to think that you know some of this stuff, not that it's a mirage, but that he's doing it based on grit and all these other things. He's doing it based on that, but also because he's one of the best athletes in the NFL. And that manifests you know, almost each and every week in terms of the fantasy score. When you think about Christian McCaffrey, I mean, it's far past time that we think of Austin Eckler in that same basic category. Cool to see him look so good today. Overall, the Chargers looked awful, and Justin Herbert has been a big disappointment. I feel like we got this one right, column in that Herbert was a guy, not that we would tell you not to draft or that he was not going to be good, but that his draft slot was a couple rounds too high. His positional ranking in terms of ADP was three or four guys too high. That's more or less the way this is playing out. He made a lot of big-time passes in this game, and yet, still looked so so now if he had everybody if he had a fully healthy keaton allen it might be different this was mike williams back and looking better today even though the 12 
yard per reception average isn't anything fancy, especially when you know that he does have actually some big plays sprinkled in there. But to have the targets centered a little bit more around the playmakers in this game, it was cool to see Gerald Everett have a little bit of a bounce back. He had a couple of nice catch and run plays. He also had what is a weekly occurrence for Gerald Everett where he appears to go the wrong direction exactly as Justin Herbert is unloading the ball. I mean, I don't know how many times you're going to keep getting passes when you do that, but at least he's managed to maintain it throughout the season to this point. Comes sort of a, a little sort of low-level <laughs> weird thing in this game is, or this weekend is I don't think I've ever watched a weekend of football that featured this many dropped interceptions. I and mean, we might've had like 25 dropped interceptions today, which I mean, one of the reasons that these guys who are incredible athletes are on the defensive side of the ball, you know, as opposed to being <laughs> the prima donna wide receivers is that maybe their hands aren't quite as good, but I mean, this could have been a massive interception day if balls hadn't been thrown right to the defense over and over and over. And then those balls were dropped. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sean, I also buried the lead a little bit on the way into the show. This is episode 500 of the Road of His Overtime podcast. So we'll probably do a better job of that when we get to episode 600 of, you know, hyping it up at the start of the show, but episode 500. So hopefully this game and the excitement of the offense and the next game we're going to talk about will be something that we can, you know, use as a, a positive note here in, in the 500th episode. I am going to run through. We've talked about the Atlanta Falcons at nauseum on the podcast over the last month or two months. So we're going to focus on the Bengals on the side, 35-17 to the Bengals. The keynote is the Atlanta Falcons were very much like the Atlanta Falcons have been. Kyle Pitts didn't have a big day that maybe we were hoping that would eventually be coming. Maybe this week because the game script would fall into that category. Uh, the Falcons thrilled by 10 plus points for the final 50 minutes of this game today they threw the ball 13 times in that portion of time and drake london and kyle pitch combined for six targets for 18 yards during those 50 minutes so more of what we have seen from the falcons is what happened in this game where i thought the game script would be perfect for them to throw the ball more the game script did turn out to be that way but sean the talking point here is the Atlanta, or sorry, not the Atlanta Falcons, the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow, 481 yards, three touchdowns through the air. He goes three for 20 on the ground with one touchdown. Looks unbelievable. We have Joe Mixon getting in on the act from a rushing perspective, 17 for 58 and a touchdown. Tyler Boyd, the I guess that fits in for episode 500, Sean. The I think the original Rotoviz overtime OG 
Tyler Boyd has nine targets, eight receptions, 155 yards, and a touchdown. The first or the second reception off those eight was a 60 yard touchdown completion from Joe Burrow. We do get Jamar Chase, 11 targets, eight receptions, 130 yards, two touchdowns for him. T. Higgins, 93 yards on seven targets, five receptions. So all of the key wide receivers getting in on the act. Joe Burrow has a, a solid day. The team puts up 35 points. Uh, Joe Mixon, sorry, has a solid day. Joe Burrow has a tremendous day. What What was your thoughts watching this Bengals game? This is the This is the Cincinnati Bengals that we we signed up for in the offseason. It is, and yeah, I mean, maybe they just need to play the Atlanta Falcons every week. If you had Tyler Boyd on rosters and you watch this it, game, I'm just trying it. to figure out why every game isn't like this, right? I thought you were, I thought you were going to say if you had Tyler Boyd on rosters in the Pacheco news came out in the morning that he was going to be the starter, and you you swapped Tyler Boyd out for Pacheco in the league. Um, I thought that's what you were going to say. That was hard to watch. I, I've watched the Kansas City Chiefs play. There was nothing that was going to get me to put Isaiah Pacheco in a lineup because Bad decision. The Chiefs can't run the ball, and you know that if they score, it's going to be some fluke. Clyde Edwards Alaire touchdown that he didn't Back deserve to the Bengals. in any way. Back to the Bengals. Back to the. I mean Tyler Boyd, right? the best slot receiver in football can score you some long touchdowns. This is what the Bengals should look like all the time. The Bengals and the Falcons kind of going in different directions here. The Bengals deciding, Oh wait, we want to be Super Bowl contenders. Let's go win some games. They throw 42 times despite leading the vast majority of this game. Joe Mixon only carries 17 times. He does get in the end zone. I don't think it comes as a huge surprise that on the team I referenced at the beginning where he scored 218, that Joe Burrow was the quarterback on that team. His game today does illustrate why I did want him with Jamar Chase on those teams. I mean, this is a game, too, where T. Higgins should have had that uh, touchdown instead of Joe Burrow getting the rushing score. Higgins makes a play, not quite to the extent that we got from Eno Benjamin on Thursday Night Football, but a fantastic effort. And I mean, this is one where obviously the team is just trying to do what they think is best. I mean, nobody's trying to rob Higgins of a touchdown, least of all his teammates and coaches. But when you make that kind of effort for them to rush to the line and run a terrible play as opposed to challenge it and give him the touchdown, I mean, that part is too bad, especially if you had Higgins in your lineups. But he looked good. He looked a little bit healthier. Jamar Chase looked completely uncoverable. It's weird to me that they made these adjustments last season. They make it to the Super Bowl. They look very good. And they come out with such a terrible game plan over the first full month of this year. That got me pretty discouraged and worried that they were never going to make some of these adjustments. Because why would you backslide to such an extent? I mean, how can you fail to take advantage of Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins? Now, some of this is just going to be your opponent. The Atlanta Falcons, not good to start with, and they had some injuries. So, I mean, if you're playing against completely overmatched players, that's going to make it a little bit easier. Some of it is just the way that a football game works, where you're going to have fluky results. But it's still very encouraging. They were able to do all of that and get Hayden Hurst, eight targets of his own. They looked fantastic. The Atlanta Falcons don't look like a real football team. This, I mean, if it were to come out later in the season that this was a... Is it like undercover boss or something that we're <laughs> <laughs> Colin? What's what's the theme of the? Uh, I'm I'm blanking on on the the Apple Plus show. Succession. No, <laughs> the one where they hired him to to lose the games. Ted Lasso. Right there we go. 
And with the NFL, you never know what's going to come out. Obviously, we had the actually serious and, and not humorous stories coming out of Miami last season. You have plenty of other things here. But if we got a kind of humorous development later on where we find out that the Atlanta Falcons hired Arthur Smith to tear their franchise apart, and this is a pure Ted Lasso situation where that is the goal here, then what the Falcons are doing would make a lot of sense. I think on the positive side, Tyler Algier looked very, very good. He's another guy that we like for your zero RB teams. He hasn't been a huge hit by any stretch so far, even with the couple starters ahead of him out. He only rushes for three yards per carry today. But, I mean, if you can average three yards per carry and look good, look big, look physical, and I'll push through the first several defenders because, I mean, obviously he had three more carries than Marcus Mariota had passing attempts. So the defense does know you're coming. <laughs> he looked good. I like the way that he runs. He looks very similar to what he did at BYU, where despite poor tested athleticism, he was one of the best players in this last class in terms of breakaway rush score to combine his size with the overall athleticism, even if it doesn't always show up in testing. I think that that's positive for him and for them going forward. We did almost have a Kyle Pitts touchdown. I think the challenge made sense. I think it was the right call, but he looked good there at the goal line at some point. Drake London and Kyle Pitts are going to break into double digit receiving yards for the week. And at that point they will still be massive fantasy busts. but this was, this was a great game for the Cincinnati Bengals. I think really encouraging all the way across the board. Joe Burrow, frankly, had some poor throws early on in the season. He was special in this game. He and Tua don't necessarily have the big arms of some of the other elite quarterbacks but the anticipation the accuracy they talked some during the game today about how he's understanding leverage more and more from the defensive backs perspective and what that allows a back shoulder throw to jamar chase that allowed him to get freed up and then to catch and run when you're able to connect with chase 25 30 yards down the field and give him a chance to then run after the catch i mean you're going to get more of these games one of the players that I never was that worried about, I mean, frustrated by, but not worried about was Jamar Chase. He's someone we have up there with Justin Jefferson at the very top of the dynasty rankings. Every game's not going to be like this. You're not going to be able to support all three wide receivers at big time scores in every single game. But I mean, these guys are going to hit and they're going to hit and there just aren't too many receivers in the NFL that can give you an eight, one thirty, and two line four or five times a season. And you mentioned, uh, you know, the catch and run from Jamar Chase, but the the throw for the other touchdown, you know, deep to the right side or not deep, deep down the field to the early portion of the end zone. Phenomenal throw, phenomenal catch on that play too to, to Jamar Chase. Sean, the T. Higgins call to to go for it to rush up. I can't understand why they're they're doing things like that unless they think it's you know a fumble that's going to be called a touchback in the the end zone. For example, we've seen them earlier in the season, the Bengals as well. That is go for it after jamar chase had a ball clearly over the line for a touchdown and i think on both occasions now they've actually pushed those in for touchdowns but yeah they're they're really strange calls that we actually talked last week about one of them as to why they would have done it and that was from a couple of weeks back but this one was bizarre again but all the bengals get theirs this week all well nearly all of the chiefs sean got theirs this week as well the 44 23 victory against the 49ers patrick mahomes has 
423 yards three touchdowns one interception in this one Juju Smith-Schuster second big game in back-to-back weeks in a row eight targets seven receptions 124 yards one touchdown going to him Marquise Valdez-Scantling who had zero points last week but was kind of unfortunate with the way that played out with uh, a number of close calls but he goes three for 111 on four targets and this one of those catches has been a 57 yard reception that's more of what I'm sure they're hoping that they get out of him down the stretch here this season Travis Kelsey with a Travis Kelsey day he goes six for 98 in this one Sean I mentioned earlier the player that wasn't in lineups that I had moved in and then moved back out that was McCall Hardman McCall Hardman 32 receiving yards on four receptions one touchdown he also pairs that up with two rushing attempts for 28 yards and two touchdowns so three touchdowns total going the way of McCall Hardman I mentioned Isaiah Pacheco reports had come out early Sunday that he would get the start this week didn't really lead to much it for 43 going his way there on the on the ground what's your overall thoughts here on the the Chiefs they they look like this again is what we we were hoping we would see from Patrick Mahomes and this kind of multiple wide receiver option rather than obviously they've moved on Tyreek Hill now you have Juju Smith-Schuster MBS and McCall Hardman for example paired up with Travis Kelsey they all come together today to have pretty pretty big games yeah and this is obviously what the Chiefs were planning when they add these guys in the offseason it's been a disappointment up to this juncture but then to have both Smith-Schuster and MVS go over 100 you get that touchdown and that in a lot of ways also then unlocks McCole Hardman because you've got to take those other guys seriously and then their gadget plays start to work. The combination of Patrick Mahomes being able to throw the ball deep, he had one here where MVS goes the distance. If he's actually not so open that Mahomes took a little bit off of it just to make sure that they wouldn't blow it, MVS has to slow down the tiniest bit. He does end up getting tackled from behind. They do go in and score the touchdown when Mahomes can do 423 yards and you're getting it in every possible way you've got those Travis Kelsey points you've got all of the gadget plays around the line of scrimmage all the misdirection you've got the other receivers playing and this is a game too where they have I mean I'm a hugely biased observer so I can't really say but they have a play at the end of the first half called back that the officiating specialist felt like was a very borderline call that would be another touchdown for them in this one this is one of the reasons why i thought they were going to defeat and should have beaten the buffalo bills last week the two best teams in football by such a huge margin right now because the 49ers are not a bad team they fall to three and four obviously they would have loved to have won this game at home but they do make that christian mccaffrey move a little bit looking ahead to next week and starting to go on a run to take the nfc west i actually wouldn't be surprised if this ended up being your Super Bowl right here. Now, the Bills are going to factor into that. The Philadelphia Eagles, definitely the NFC favorites at this point in time. But to be able to do this to the 49ers is, is just kind of crazy because the 49ers defense is elite. They're maybe not quite 100% in this game. But I mean, Andy Reid... And Patrick Mahomes, I mean, when you get up on, on Sunday morning, this is what you're hoping to see. It's not to quite this level of perfection every week, but it's really cool that the NFL can still deliver us these types of games. We know we've been put through maybe a little bit of a lesser product this season, 
But I mean, the rest of the year is going to be absolutely fantastic. You have so many cool teams. We didn't even get to have two of the best teams and most fun teams of football this week with the Bills and the Eagles both being on the bye. Jimmy Garoppolo made some mistakes, but he throws for over 300 yards. He throws for a couple touchdowns. They'll get Christian McCaffrey going. I think that if you have George Kittle, I mean, it's easy to overlook just how big a bust Darren Waller and Kittle have been at the tight end position. This is a big game for him. He goes 698 and one. He looked good. I thought Brandon Ayuk looked pretty good. A frustrating performance from Debo, but I mean, this team will come back and the Christian McCaffrey trade for them, really cool. You're going to see 30, 40 points from the 49ers consistently over the second half of the season. Yeah, the 49ers, obviously, would be, since we recorded Christian McCaffrey now as San Francisco 49er. So uh, that was a pretty big change, Sean, to have over the, the last couple of days. But he does play here, but you know, just kind of getting integrated into the lineup. We'll see what he does moving forward. Brandon Ayuk, you mentioned, he continues to, to look pretty solid and emerge. And we talked recently about how he did down the stretch last season. Debo Samuel, 5 for 42 here on seven targets. I, I think it's at this point, it's not the clear you know Debo Samuel is the the 1A here it's a situation where I think you know Ayuk and Samuel are, are pretty close but I, I think we'll see them both have their big weeks from time to time but it's it's not as clear cut and that Debo Samuel you know second round ADP is a little bit challenging as well at the moment but nice to see George Kittle have his big day Sean a couple of games we'll touch on here that not a huge amount of notes I don't think uh, we had the Dallas Cowboys win quite comfortably in the end against the the Lions and the other note just on that Chiefs game is you know the score is 44-23 it looks like it's a case where the Chiefs have really blown out the the 49ers but this game was was pretty much in play you know late into the third quarter and then the Chiefs did at that point absolutely wrap things up but the the Cowboys do something similar where they put up 14 points to zero in the fourth quarter with Dak Prescott back nothing spectacular we have like my my notes on this is is there a huge amount to talk about the the Cowboys one Sean have you any specific notes Elliot got two touchdowns in this two rushing touchdowns Tony Pollard led the team in rushing yards just three attempts behind Elliot 12 to 15 not not a huge amount else to talk about really in this game in general the other note sorry is Amon Ross St. Brown did go out of this game pretty early, had one reception on one target for four yards, but picked up a concussion on that play. So he did miss the remainder of the game from that point forward. Anything else of note, Sean? Well, just that the Lions were going to go ahead and there was a bad fumble. Oh, yeah, really Jamal bad. Jamal Williams that, that crushed them. and At the goal uh, line. At the goal line. It would have put them up 13 to 10. They were dominating the Cowboys offense at that point. And the spark really goes out of them. After that, the Cowboys go down and score after a Jerry Goff interception. They get the ball back after a Jerry Goff fumble. Goff completely imploded after that fumble from Williams. Dan Campbell, who has been just one of our absolute favorites and has been such a an uplifting voice and great leader for the Lions, it just to, the losing takes a big toll, right? I mean, these people are very, very human and are experiencing. I mean, you take the highs and lows of a fantasy weekend and multiply it by a thousand, and that's where some of these coaches are standing on the sidelines. And I, I go back to when I was coaching Division Two tennis, and 
know, for the people involved, those are huge stakes, but it's basically just us. And you can imagine what it's like to add the, the millions of fans around the country and world who are looking on and judging everything that you do and, and living and dying with you with that. I mean, the, the investment that I had from a coaching perspective, and then you think about what these guys are doing to have that fumble. I mean, he takes the headset, smashes it down and um, it's just tough. I mean, one of the things that is fun about competition is that you're competing. Somebody wins, somebody loses. It's not just something where you go and run around for a bit and don't keep score. The keeping score part is what appeals to everyone, but that does mean that there's a loser. And if you end up on the back end of that a lot, and then Lions are now one and five, they just have seemed to be way too good a team for that to happen. We have so many teams right now that are somewhere, you know, in that four or five, even six win range. I just think objectively are the same level as the Lions. If you've gone through the 2021 season, it just gets tough. So you, you hate to see that for them. You hate to see it for Jamal Williams, who otherwise had actually played quite well in this game. I thought that Craig Reynolds looked pretty good. He only has four carries for 12 yards, but catches three passes. It gives him a little bit in the receiving game. Probably not something where he's going to take a step ahead of Williams if DeAndre Swift should be inactive again next week. But, I mean, at least have your eye out or your ear to the ground and try and keep up with those whispers if Reynolds were to get a big workload in a week. He's someone who, especially during the buys, a desperation start. Maybe you plug him in there. The Lions need DeAndre Swift back. They need Jamison Williams whenever he's ready. Obviously, the Lions aren't going to rush him. But to lose Amon Ra at the very beginning of the game, it seemed to unsettle them on offense. But the defense held them in there. They had a chance at this one. If you're looking at it from the Cowboys' perspective, Ezekiel Elliott scores the two touchdowns but looks bad. Tony Pollard goes for 83 yards, looks very, very good. Dak Prescott, 19 for 25. He averages eight yards per attempt, but very unimpressive. CeeDee Lamb catches four of six targets for 70 yards. You can't be in a situation where as late in the game as they were, that you're going to fall down 13 to 10 at home against the Detroit Lions. I mean, this Cowboys team is five and two, but they seem like a mirage team. They've got a long way to go to get where they're a true contender. They have a lot of talent. Maybe they'll do that. Yeah. And when we talk about like, you know, from a Cowboys perspective, they're probably saying, luck we got Dak Prescott back. We're in the situation when he got injured. We didn't think we would be in as good a place as we are. And let's see how it starts to fix up as, as we move forward and we get him fully healthy. But yeah, it feels a little bit like they got away with one here. A team, Sean who didn't get away with one was the Green Bay Packers. They lose their third in a row to the Washington Commanders. Tyler Heineke comes in. Heineke, I didn't think, had a, a great game here. 201 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. But I do think that it looked better than what it has with, with Carson Wentz. Now, I don't know if that's a, a situation for the Green Bay Packers to be the problem there or that it was the way that the offense ran through Heineke. I thought Antonio gibson looked pretty good in this he goes 10 for 59 on the ground he also was three for 18 the touchdown through the air and four targets brian robinson running the show in terms of the overall touches in the backfield 20 carries 73 yards for him from that perspective he gets two targets two receptions 13 yards 
I thought Terry McLaurin, Sean, looked good in this one, five for 73 and one on eight targets. He really had a, a couple of highly contested catches and had the key catches down the stretch to kind of ice the game away in that fourth quarter. On the Packers side, this is just bad. It's the same as we've talked about each and every week so far. Passes just slightly overthrown, passes underthrown. Rodgers seems to be struggling or currently really struggling with the thumb. They're playing it down, but when he's throwing some of these passes they're going really low down to the players feet they're not as catchable as they should be and we've seen a couple of key third down conversions that really struggled there there was a portion i believe in the fourth quarter where the packers hadn't completed a third or hadn't complete or converted a third down and at that point of the game i think it was the longest stretch that the team had had since 1999 without completing a, a third down conversion so really struggled from him he does end up with two touchdowns on 190 four yards a lot of that coming though in the fourth quarter the player for the Packers Sean who looked really good in this who continues to not get enough of the ball is Aaron Jones he goes eight for 23 on the ground AJ Dillon goes four for 15 we do get Aaron Jones going 10 targets nine receptions 53 yards two touchdowns and for Rodgers' struggles the the second touchdown to Aaron Jones is an incredible throw and an incredible play from Aaron Jones that was one of the highlights here I guess Romeo Dobbs zero receptions on four targets for him so hugely disappointing the way his season is starting to play out here but yeah the, the Packers not looking good and we're going to try not to talk too much about the officials I've seen you done a really good job Sean and glancing by when you talked about the Chiefs and that flag at the end of the first half the Packers do have a scoop and score they have a pick six in this which does stand they have a scoop and score after a strip sack on uh, Heineke in this game that is returned for a touchdown that is ruled out for a very very soft uh you know kind of i don't know rubbing the rubbing antonio gibson's sleeve maybe uh but yeah really tough one there which was a game changer at that point would have put the packers up into the lead but packers sean have have looked bad i've talked about it for a few weeks here they don't look good and uh it's getting getting tougher to play any of them in fantasy it is getting tougher and especially when you have alan lazard get injured late in this one. He wasn't having a big game, but he was the one guy having a solid game from the receiving core. Sammy Watkins, I just, I don't know if a team has trotted out someone as, well, I shouldn't say that because. This, this might be the worst wide receiving core in the, the NFL. And it probably isn't. The, and I was going to say that it I don't know like if any team has, has trotted out a player as washed as Sammy Watkins in a long time. But then I remembered that as recently as week six, Kyler Murray was still having to throw passes to AJ Green. This is, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's rough. The Aaron Rodgers has completely broken the spirit of Romeo Dobbs. I don't know that I've seen a player have too much worse of a game than Dobbs had here. He did have a third down conversion where he got uh, wide sorry, open. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. There was a fourth down conversion. You're talking about Washed and Sammy Watkins, where it's a screen <laughs> screenplay, where it's a, a situation where you know he is the the blocker on that outside cornerback, and he just decides he's going to run a go right, and uh, that the fourth down conversion isn't made on a really simple pass. Well, it seemed like one too, where they went back to the sidelines and. LaFleur is trying to explain to Aaron Rodgers that like he could have just thrown the ball out there for a touchdown. And Rodgers just kept ignoring him over there. Well, he should ignore him because that was, you know, the whole design of that play is to to get five yards of space for Dobbs to complete that uh, fourth down conversion and then move down the field. But 
yeah i don't know uh, it just i mean again if these weren't real people the comedy of errors aspect to it would be pretty funny where dobbs catches that ball and then almost as a punctuation on his interaction with rogers throughout the game and he has an earlier third down conversion where he's standing there completely uncovered across the line to gain and just like five yards away from aaron Rodgers. again no one around him rogers throws it at his feet a ball that an nfl wide receiver will often catch but a ball that's just thrown directly at his feet. He almost makes a very nice play on it. He gets back up and Aaron Rodgers asks him, what the are you doing? And he's probably thinking, well, I'm trying to catch your passes that are on the ground. But on the fourth down conversion, he catches it and then like launches it out of bounds. And he wasn't close to, <laughs> he wasn't close to the sideline there. So I don't know if I've ever lot, seen. Yeah. I mean, if, <laughs> If you were laddering the ball, you could not have gotten that much on it. For Romeo Dobbs to have a non-catch slash like power fumble where he manages to fumble it like 20 yards at high velocity out of bounds on that play. Man, I, he continues to look good in terms of getting open. He cannot catch the passes from Aaron Rodgers. And at this point, he kind of has the look on his face of, I just wish you wouldn't throw it to me because I do not want to have an interaction with you after this play. You go to the other side of it and Washington – very hit and miss, but a cool game for them as they bounce back. We don't care for Carson Wentz. We like Taylor Heineke. That's going to influence how we see this game. Heineke, one of these guys who, with the enthusiasm, with the body language, with the ability to get the ball down the field, even when he's playing poorly, and Connor O'Driscoll and I are very heavily invested in Sam Howell, as I know a lot of listeners probably are as well. So we're always messaging back and forth. And we felt like there was a moment in time in this game where Heineke might really only be like one terrible looking pass. And in the first 15 passes, I mean, they were pretty egregious, right? Maybe only one more terrible pass away from getting benched in the Sam Howell era starting. At that point, though, he, I mean, catches fire, is probably a strong word to describe what actually happened in this game, but he makes some very nice passes. He gets the ball down the field at Trey McLaurin. They have a little bit more of a rapport, puts the ball up there. McLaurin makes a great elevating, pulling the ball away from the defender catch in the end zone to turn this game. And McLaurin, one of the things that was cool, and again, something you, I guess, just feel like you don't see with these guys and Carson Wentz is just how fired up McLaurin was after that play. I mean, those guys are like running down the field, screaming at each other, but from the positive side of that and just uh, the enthusiasm. So cool. We know that McLaurin can generate the air yards. We know he can make some of these big plays. We know he's a contested catch guy to an extent. The problem is that the quarterback play is never there and the well-rounded aspects to his game. We just haven't seen very much of that for a long, long time. You could you could see the cathartic element of catching that touchdown pass for him and just the lift that it gave him and the team as the game went along. Antonio Gibson looked fantastic. You mentioned the 10 for 59. He looked shot out of a cannon in the rush game. He catches three of his four targets. I, I like both of these guys, but Brian Robinson was not an elite prospect coming out of school. He plays behind Najee Harris, who you know, probably is not even a starting NFL talent, despite being a first round draft pick. He hurt Washington in this game. His story is also amazing in terms of coming back from those injuries. It seems like Washington may be pushing him out there ahead of where he really needs to be, especially when you have 
Gibson, who is a much, much better athlete and a more electric player, maybe doesn't bring quite the physicality, maybe doesn't bring as much intuitiveness to the running back position. But even with those weaknesses, I mean, I think that Washington's coaching staff has gotten, I mean, they're kind of in the same place that we are with Heineke and Carson Wentz, but in the opposite direction with these running backs where they love Brian Robinson. They don't necessarily care for Gibson. It looks like they're hurting the team a little bit, but this is a big win for the commanders. They get back to three and four. Um, you could go on a run here. It is frustrating for those of us who have Howell in different formats and just kind of want to see him play because he was such a ridiculously good college player. And he brings the profile that the NFL needs right now, where you have the big arm, you've got the athleticism to gain a lot of yards with your legs. You can extend some of these drives. You can get the ball out to the receivers to let them make plays. We're dying for him in particular. We're dying for dynamic football in general. Maybe we'll still get a chance to see him this season, but I mean, it's impossible to root against Taylor Heineke. He's just too much fun out there. And you mentioned uh, the team really seemed to, you know, have that rapport with him that maybe they just don't have with with Carson Wentz. The other note on the Packers, Sean, is Amari Rogers, third round pick a couple of years ago, needs. Uh, I don't know. I know they have no receivers, but this guy has uh, been on special teams basically since he was drafted, and another muff punt in this one which he continues to to cost the team from a real realistic point of view you're not going to need to know about him for fantasy purposes but yeah um another situation where this game really with those couple of plays the the muff punt that i mentioned leads to a field goal and the the return that led to the touchdown that was nullified you know could be looking at this game from a very very different perspective but yeah, the the washington commanders felt like they they were going to win this game for for quite some time at, at I was resigned to defeat for a large portion of this game. The last game we're going to talk about on today's show, Sean, is the Giants and the Jaguars. A pretty an interesting enough game here. Trevor Lawrence didn't look as good as he looked in that kind of stretch at the start of the season, but he didn't look as bad as he looked on the other stretch where things were going really, really poor. He has 310 passing yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. He does have the rushing touchdown where he pushes in over uh, the goal line on that kind of extended sneak we have travis Etienne, 14 attempts 114 yards and a touchdown for him on the ground just the the one reception on five targets for him as well for five yards christian kirk continues to look good seven for 96 on 10 targets evan ingram gets in on the act with 67 yards on four receptions for him on the giant side sean i guess the story as always is saquon barkley 110 yards and 24 attempts for him he then gets four for 25 on four targets in the receiving game wendell robinson i think has continued to look impressive in his short brief stint so far in the nfl particularly over those last two weeks eight targets six receptions for 50 yards but a lot of that happening in the early portion of this game not quieting down but the the giants do get this one in the end 23 to 17 in jacksonville they are now six and oh or six and one on the season um the giants are are, are looking strong you mentioned mirages the giants are doing it and they, they look pretty good doing it but they feel like six and one might be a little bit of a an overachievement at this point of the season it might be an overachievement and yeah it's the kind of overachievement where you think that as they get healthier if they get some of these receivers back and as daniel jones gets more time with dable if he can develop a little bit more then this team could be really good by the end and i think that this was the first week where you can see and 
imagine Daniel Jones as the starter long term. I think if you have him in Superflex, he's one of the guys that we'd like to take a shot on. You've got to be intrigued. You've got to be encouraged with this type of performance because, I mean, this is exactly the Josh Allen game plan right here. Is it executed to the level that Allen can execute it? No, but 11 carries, 107 yards. He looks fast. He had one of those plays that somehow only Daniel Jones can do where he does break free and maybe even a chance for a long touchdown, but stumbles and falls down. And then you could see his frustration with himself there, but you get the rushing touchdown, you get the 200 yards and the passing touchdown. You see the arm strength too. This combination of arm strength and mobility pretty unique. I mean, it's not to the Josh Allen level, but it's, it allows the team to do some of the same things. Darius Slayton catches a long touchdown in this game. He's given them the vertical ability that they need. Wandell gives them the underneath ability and it just looks fantastic. It's too bad. Most of his production came in the first half. You would have loved to have seen him carry some of that over into the second, but he looks like someone who, if not a star, at least is going to be an NFL player. He looks like a hit when you consider where they drafted him ahead of those four guys who tended to be higher profile, 10 to 15 picks after him in the second round of this draft, Saquon looked good again. I mean, this is, this is a good team, not a great team, but I mean, if they can get one more guy healthy, a receiver to give them some more punch, I think you've got to be excited about it. I mean, Daniel Jones still has a lot to prove this season. It's, there's a long way to go. You know, Jerry Goff a couple weeks ago looked like someone who might be the Lions' long-term answer at QB and then has gone on a very, very rough stretch. Right now, Gino looks like he could be the answer for the Seahawks, but I mean, you're going to have to prove that through at least the full season. And then even then, as you go into the future, these guys who have had down stretches, you know, you're always a bad couple of games away from being in trouble. But Daniel Jones a former first round pick and for this team. I mean Jared Goff obviously a former number 1 overall pick who took his team to the Super Bowl, but when you're on the second team when that second team has lost most of the games that you started, a little bit different dynamic. Daniel Jones looks like he could be the guy and I think that that's the big story. Maybe even the number 1 story in the entire NFL this week. He looked fantastic. Trevor Lawrence again, it was that balance where he has so many unbelievable throws where the arm strength and the quick trigger just can't be matched by more than a handful of quarterbacks in the entire NFL. But then a lot of balls that are airmailed, a lot of balls that are thrown inappropriately hard for where the receiver is standing, a lot of decisions where you're trying to figure out exactly what he was trying to accomplish. That's how you end up throwing the ball 43 times and barely completing 50% of them. Now they do go for 310 yards. Christian Kirk looked decent. Evan Ingram looked decent. Marvin Jones made a great play. And they've got balance in their receiving game. That's something they were limited to an extent by what looks like a very, very good giant secondary. They continue to be consistent throughout. But the other story here, other than Daniel Jones on the giant side, Travis Etienne. I mean, if there's kind of the, the good news to go with the bad news of Brees Hall going down, it was Kenneth Walker. It was Travis Etienne. Both of these guys are just so much fun as young backs. We have a lot of exposure to the young backs in redraft and best ball and dynasty ETN here with multiple long runs. He has a 49 yard run. He was the guy where 
in the preseason, I thought he looked like he was operating at a completely different speed than everyone else on the field. And yet it was a little bit disconcerting that he's not a huge guy. Now, I mean, obviously we've watched him play a lot of years at Clemson, but if anything, he looks a little bit smaller out there on the NFL field than you might have anticipated. And yet, I mean, you better not leave a hole because he's going to go 50, 60, 70 yards. And we also saw him be able to consolidate some of these other types of touches. He gets the touchdown on not a short carry, but a touch there inside the 20. This is a game where James Robinson gets a target but does not get a carry. The only other carry goes to Jamichael Hasty. It's not impossible that if Trevor Lawrence can play at this level and hopefully a little bit better, that Travis Etienne could be, I mean, he could challenge to be a top five back the rest of the way. Probably there are three or four guys that he realistically can't jump. We obviously don't want them to get hurt. But outside of those three or four guys, Etienne is going to be nipping at the heels of that next group. Yeah, it really feels like it looks electric. I think I've used this word a few times, electric. Um, so he is, he is kind of, what we hoped again and some of the things that we talked about in the offseason are really starting to come to fruition some of the players unfortunately like Brees Hall are at this point in time not looking positive for the remainder of this season through injury but we'll see how it goes over the next couple of days so we didn't talk about the Panthers Bucks we didn't talk about the Browns Ravens Oakland Oakland I'm still calling them Oakland the Las Vegas uh, Raiders against the Houston Texans then we have Sunday night football with Miami and Pittsburgh and we have Monday night football with the Patriots and the Bears. We'll be recapping all of those, talking about the news and notes from them on the Wednesday edition of Rotoviz OT. If you are subscribed to the podcast feed for Rotoviz Overtime, you will get that show on Tuesday evening around 5 p.m. Eastern. So you get that advanced information at an earlier time. So do make sure you are subscribed. The link to the podcast feed will be in today's show notes. Subscribe to get all the shows as soon as possible once they come out. If you're signed up for a Rotoviz NFL pass over at rotoviz.com to get access to all of our content and tools, you can use the promo code RVRADIO2022 at checkout. Save yourself 10% off while signing up. You can get access to all of Sean's work and all of the rest of the Rotoviz team's work with that NFL pass. Once again, that code is RVRADIO2022. This has been episode 500 of Rotoviz Overtime. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter. Add over to Martin and you can check out all of Sean's work, as I mentioned, up on rotaviz.com. Until we are back with the next show, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotavizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotaviz.com forward slash podcast.